Well, good morning. Welcome to the Hope. If you haven't met me yet, I'm Pastor Norm, and if you're new, please uh, take a minute afterwards. Hopefully I can find time to greet people, uh, come up and say hi. And uh, again, this has just been a great start to the new year. We had that week of prayer, which I think, I don't know about you, but it just builds a foundation for us to jump off of. And, and I feel like the, the big ball in the catapult, you know, we've just been hurled toward the future, and God's got a big, big plan for this church. And it's always a joy, of course, to have the ladies from Bear River. Uh, yeah, amen. When you're, when you're watching on the other, li- other side of that camera, it's just not the same here, so you're always, you're always missed. Hopefully you know that. Oh, good, because this, this is going to kind of add to that, all right? So good thing you heard it. So last week again, I talked about the power of our words. Say that, the power of our words. And how they can bring what? You listened, all right. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Either way. Right? If you're speaking life, what does the Bible say about that? It says you will reap what you've sown. And that, this says that. All right? Whatever comes out of your mouth, that's how people are going to treat you. So who wants to be treated well? Who wants to be cussed out, cursed out, blanked out? No hands going up. Oh, good. We're all in agreement then. I like that. Last week I said that every believer should speak positive, edifying words. Anybody doubt that? Good. And when in doubt, what should we do? Man, I am proud of you guys. This never happens. That's awesome. Absolutely. We need to keep quiet. Do the shh. To ourselves. Now, you don't like it when somebody does that to you. Nobody likes that. Usually, the bristles rise up on, especially June, the bristles rise up on your neck when somebody goes, shh, how dare you? <laughs> Just don't say anything when you don't know what to say. Instead of negative, hurtful words, We need to take the Apostle Paul's advice that he gave to the church in Philippi, and that is, and I read this last week, but I want you to see it again. Read this with me. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's God's plan for us. We shouldn't dwell on death. We shouldn't dwell on things that lead to death. Like sin. Sin leads to death. We should dwell on things that are pure and beautiful and holy. Like God. God is holy. God is pure. Remember that what you put into your heart is what you get out of your heart. That's right. Now this week we're going to continue the same topic. The power of our words, so this is part two. And just let me say this, 
I had a whole nother message, which just got bumped to next week. Um, somebody asked about this, uh, declaring things, words over ourselves. What is that? What is that? And, uh, you know, standing in agreement with the Word of God, things like that. So next week, that's where it got moved to. Because the Holy Spirit told me this morning, Norm, you're not done yet. You're not done yet. So, here we go. <laughs> Today we're going to examine how we must learn to tame the tongue. Where do we find that passage? James what? Three. James 3. If you go, you don't have to go there now because I'm not going there, but you can if you want. If you want to just kind of quickly read up on it. But James 3 exhorts us to do more or a better job of controlling this piece of flesh in our mouth, the tongue. Now, I know this is going to surprise a lot of you, all right? But I'm not perfect. Some of you are really disappointed now. I recognized just how imperfect I was this morning when I put this shirt on and I realized, man, this thing is like made for Paul or, or Dave. It's, it's huge. And all my sleeves keep falling down on me and I'm like, this is driving me nuts. You know, I, I have to admit this. I have struggled with words over my lifetime. There are times that I got myself into deep doo-doo with this. Anybody else? Yeah. Right? And that's why I still need to work on this today. What I allow into my heart, what goes into this and then eventually into my heart, those are the things that will determine what come out. And we've all got to work on this. We've got to work on how we relate to people. Some of you, you've got a trigger that's, it's, you know what a hair trigger is on a gun? If I can use that analogy, I mean, you just barely pull that thing and boom, it goes off. And that's what that means. Some of you have a hair trigger with your mouth. Hello? That's good preaching, Pastor, because, right? That's not a good thing. But we do have that, some of us. Not everybody, but some of us. We have to be intentional on how we focus on this in the language that comes out of it. We, we need to master our tongue, which might mean that we need to be quiet on occasion. And for some of you, that's really difficult. Amen. That's right. And then there are those times that you really, 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 really want to say something. And you shouldn't. This is a different version of what I shared last week. Proverbs 10, 19. Say it with me. Don't talk so much. You keep putting your foot in your mouth. Be sensible and turn off the flow. You could put that one on your refrigerator, right? And by the way, that's the living Bible. I don't often share from that. But when I saw it, I was like, yeah, I like that. It's been my observation that 
when a person gets wounded, when I get wounded, that's when I tend to say things that I shouldn't. If you corner an animal that's been hurt, what do they do? Man, you got a whole ball of fur that's going to come at you, right? Assuming it's some kind of furry animal. You better get back because they're going to be scrapping with you. And often that's what we humans do when we've been hurt. When somebody says something hurtful, immediately your pride rises up and you, you instantly go into that, that fight mode. And it's attached to a certain amount of fear, but what happens with that is you often can't control yourself. And then that's where that hair trigger really comes in. Because you've been wounded, you're not thinking straight, your adrenaline's running, and you're like, I'm ready, come on, bring it on. As I've matured in the Lord, of course, I've learned not to speak so quickly, even when somebody has wounded me. And as a pastor, that really does help a lot. Some of you who knew me <laughs> in years past uh, when I may have struggled with this a little bit. Now I think about what was said, and then I decide on what the best approach is, you know, how to resolve whatever it is that, that I'm facing at that moment. This technique also pre prevents the devil from getting a foothold into your life. This is where he can use your mouth as his instrument. You don't want that. You don't want to give this to him. You want to keep control of it by the power of the Holy Spirit and what he's given you. Ephesians talks about this. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For what? Anger gives a foothold to the devil. You do not want to do that. You don't want to give him permission to use your tongue. If you must, when you're faced with a situation like this, and this is good advice. Everybody say, good advice. If you must, when you're faced with a situation like this and things are starting to rise, count to ten before you say anything. And, and I might add, some of you might want to count to a hundred. <laughs> Best advice, think before you speak. Hello? If somebody hurts you, get the facts before addressing the person. Don't use hearsay to defend whatever it is you're trying to defend, because often hearsay is just that, and it's not truth. Get the truth before you go, I'm using a lot of gun analogies, half-cocked, before you go off half-cocked. Make sure that you have spent time with God before you have the talk. Is this good wisdom? Yes. Yet, how many do this? Not enough. <laughs> Listen, our marriages would be better. Our homes would be better. I'm including myself in this statement. 
Our workplaces would be better if people would just do this. Think before you speak. Is what I'm about to say going to blow this person up? Do they really need it? And if not, why am I saying it? Why am I giving the devil the ability to use my tongue? This is a God tool. I'm standing here today going, Jesus, I love you. Tomorrow I shouldn't be in the workplace saying, why you bleepity bleep bleep bleep. Good preaching. Now I found what I'm about to say, the scripture I'm about to read, the passage. This is one of the hardest passages to get into your tool belt. But we all need it. Found in Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to begin with verse 43, where Jesus gives us this command. And, And this is what he said. I've got it up behind me. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. (laughs) See, this is what the people were used to. The the Jewish people, it was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If somebody wronged them, they were going to get right, make it right by getting even. And then this Messiah, this, this Jewish rabbi comes out and he... He just totally annihilates their whole argument. And he says this to them. I can promise you those guys were squirming when he said this. Love your enemy. What? But I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Oh. Anybody in this room ever get persecuted? And I don't just mean because you're a Christian. I'm talking some of you live with a person that's really hard to live with. And sometimes you're like, they become the enemy almost. Yourself, I like that too. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy, amen? Thank you for my cheerleading section here. And by the way, I like that, so don't don't be offended I said something. Preach it. That's right. In that way, Jesus said, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. How many are children of God in this room already? Then, what Jesus is telling us to do by loving our enemy, praying for those who persecute us, this is what a child of God does. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. God is no respecter of persons. He wants all men and women to come to him, all men and women to be saved. And when we start praying for these yahoos that are just really hard to work with, You may end up being that person that that brings them into the kingdom. Let me tell you something. When somebody 
spites you, when somebody talks poorly about you, when somebody gives you a hard time all day long, and all you do is smile, and they don't know this usually, but pray for them, it changes them. It changes the environment that they're in. And eventually, and this has happened to me many times, eventually the person will stop and go, how come when I said this to you, you, you didn't lash out? How come you didn't try to get even? How come you didn't respond back like so many do? And you're able to say, because I know better. I want to speak life, not death. I'm a child of God, and I want you to be too. Let me introduce you to my Savior. That's how you whittle them down. But if you come at them, <laughs> come on, boy, let me introduce you to Jesus now. Doesn't work real well. I wasn't finished with this, as you can see. I'm going all the way to verse 48. Let me finish. Jesus continued, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? So what this tells you is there's a reward for those who pray for their enemies. Hello? I think this is really good preaching. Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, this is most churches. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. <laughs> the unsaved. People that don't know God. Even they do this. They treat their friends decent. But you are to be perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, you're to be perfect. Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And how are you perfect? What? Christ's blood. Yes. Keep it in context. Pray for your enemies. Right? You want to be perfect like the Father? When Jesus was hanging there on that cross, he was, he was hanging over the very men, first of all, that put him on the cross, and the ones with the authority that put him on the cross, the Jewish leaders. And what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If Jesus can do that while he's getting the last breath, how much more should we be able to reflect Him when somebody speaks poorly of us? Even in our own house. Whew. Perhaps now you see why this passage is so difficult to practice. Our flesh often finds it difficult to pray for those people who are persecuting us or treating us poorly. But it is the right thing. It is the godly thing to do. And by getting in the habit of praying for your enemies, 
you begin to see things. And this is what I love. When we pray for people, the Holy Spirit begins to help us see that person through the lens of God as he sees that person. He doesn't look at us and go, oh, you filthy, rotten sinner. He sees us under the blood. He sees us perfect, as Dave said, because we're covered with the blood. We wear the cloak of Jesus' righteousness. And when God looks at us, He sees His Son in us. That's what makes us different. When we start to see those people as God sees them, our heart becomes softened toward them. Anybody else experience this? This is something you experience. This is something you'll feel. Is it okay to feel in the church? God gave us feeling. God gave us our emotions. And when you're doing things right, you should feel that. When you're doing things wrong, you should also feel that. There's a reason that He built us like we're built. And when we pray for people, I'm telling you, it's not easy. I said that. I started with that. It is not easy to do this. But when we get in the habit of doing this, it changes our life. It changes how we see people. You know, I used to, I'd, I'd go into like a place like Walmart or Myers or whatever, and I'd get up there and the, the cashier would be all crotchety and ornery. And, and my flesh would just come up like, you know what, I'm paying for this. You should be treating me well. Ooh, there's that justifying nature. Do I deserve anything? No. I need to extend as much grace and mercy toward that person as Jesus did to me. And you know what? I've, I've learned this. Usually, I'm not going to say I never fail, but usually... I'll try to break the ice and say something nice or even ask the person, how's it going today? You know, sounds like you're having a rough day. And that usually offsets it a little bit. God wants to use us like this. I hope you know that. And even if it doesn't change the person that you're praying for, it will change you. And that's the most important part of this whole process. Know this, God takes pleasure in His children when they practice this kind of behavior. And that should be enough right there to get you to start doing these things that I'm talking about today. Summing up this godly practice... Pray for the person that you're having issues with, whether a coworker, a fellow classmate, a teacher, a spouse. <laughs> Don't look at them. A son or a daughter. <laughs> How many? No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> right? Don, you're probably going through this all the time. I mean, I'm just kidding. You've got great daughters. But even when they grow up, when they, they become adults, I mean, do you always get along with your family? 
Yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> no, I mean, you have differences, right? Sometimes they come to the surface. You want to do it God's way, though. You'll love them. You'll suck it in. You'll count to ten. If you have to, you'll go in your prayer closet for a while, June. And then when you come out, you're going to have a fresh perspective. And God's going to give you the wisdom of what to do next. And it won't lead to... But it'll lead to peace, which we need in our homes. By doing this, your heart will be changed toward that person. And I think that's what God wants to see in us. And that's why he told the people this. We have the power of life and death in our tongues. Say that with me. We have the power of life and death in our tongues. Imagine if the world would do what I'm talking about here. Imagine if the church would do what I'm talking about here. The perception that our community would, would see us as. Now what do they say? What a bunch of hypocrites. Why? Because they see us going home and yelling at each other having battles with our kids, fighting at work with our neighbors because, well, they, they didn't treat me right. Big deal. Get over it. Pray for those people. Every job, and this isn't a boast, I'm, I'm sharing this because I believe this in my heart. When you do this, and I lived this when I used to work in the secular world, if you didn't know this, and I'm going to talk about this again in a minute, but I worked in a factory, and it wasn't the easiest environment to work in. And there were constantly people there that were trying to offend me. If they knew you were a Christian, they tried to offend you. That was just how it was, because they didn't understand these Jesus freaks. This was in the late 70s. We were Jesus freaks. That's what they called us. I didn't drive around in a van, but yeah, I did at one point, but never mind. It looked like the Scooby-Doo van. Hallelujah. This is how all of us need to live, and the world will see us differently if we do. This is what they want to see. Listen to this next verse. I love this verse. This is could be one of my new favorites. Proverbs 15.4 in the contemporary English version says, kind words are good medicine, but deceitful words can really hurt. It's another good one to keep right at the forefront of what we do. Some of you are going, I don't like this message. Kind words are good medicine, but deceitful words can really hurt. How many have been on the receiving end of the hurtful words? How about the kind words? By an upraised hand, who wants the kind words? Put them down. Who wants the hurtful words? Do you really? You like hurtful words? But they can do it kindly, right? I know. That's kind of my point today. 
This is what we're trying to change, but thank you for that. If we would recognize that the words that we speak literally bring health to people, we would change how we speak. And I think this is what the Holy Spirit wants us to get today. He wants us healthy. He wants our relationships. And, and, you know, I'm way beyond this point in my life, but when my boys were still in the home, I mean as teens and younger, <laughs> they came back, some of them, but as adults. And, that, that, and it was always a joy to have them. But I remember in the years when they were teens, and, and when we had scuffles, fights, whatever, and they, they were more arguments, you know. We, only once did I get physical, and, and it had to happen. One of my boys, he was almost a senior in, on, football, on the football team, and he thought he was more than he should have thought. And, and he mouthed off to his mother, and it just led to, you don't do that in our house. You, you don't mistreat women. Uh, and, and it got my, anyhow, we took care of that. That never happened again. I didn't hurt him, hurt him, but he knew that it wasn't tolerated. Where was I going with that comment? <laughs> when we understand this, it just brings a, a level of, what's the word, Lord? Yes, peace, but it's more than that. It's, you know that life that Jesus said? I come to bring you life, and life in, it brings abundant life into your home. I mean, we can live on the, in the middle, and things are just okay, or we can live where life is good. You know, where, where we're thriving, not just surviving. And I think, again, if we just, because most of the things, with the exception of money, and by the way, Wednesday night, where's Phil? Philip over here and Vanessa, they're doing this class on finances. We had one week last week. You could still join, right? This week, Wednesday at 6 p.m. Please join us if you'd like. There's a $10 booklet. Other than that, it's, it's no cost. Learn how to handle your money because that's the other big thing that causes issues in families. How we spend our bucks. But the word, the mouth, is by far the most threatening thing. I hope you can see why it's so important for parents and grandparents, older brothers and older sisters, to carefully choose their words when they're around children. When you speak over your kids, Whatever it is you say, it's going to stick. If it's positive, that's going to stick. I see my little grandson back there, Pastor Barb's holding him. I think he's in that blanket she's got. <laughs> and that kid, every time you look at him, as soon as he sees me, he goes, and he starts <laughs> smiling. You know what that does? Now, if I yelled at him or if his mama or daddy yelled at him consistently 24-7, do you think I'd be seeing that? Yeah. 
That's the result of people speaking life into him. And if you doubt me, just look at him after service. Oh boy, got to find my spot. What you speak over your kids will stick whether life or death. If children grow up hearing, you'll never amount to anything. They probably won't. Now I'm not going to say there is the exceptions. Some of us are so tenacious, so stubborn, when somebody says we're not going to do something, then they just want to show them, I'll show you what I can become. But that's the exception to the rule. Most when they're treated like this, when they're, when they're not given those words of life, but rather the words of death all their life, that's what they're going to go with. If children grow up never hearing that they're loved, most likely they're going to grow up without being able to love others. We don't want that. And listen, if you find yourself in any of these scenarios I'm sharing, if you find yourself on the negative side, know this. It is never too late to change. It is never too late to repent and go to Jesus and say, I messed up. I have not been the parent I need to be. I've not been the husband or the wife that I need to be. I've not been the, the worker that I need to be. Or whatever it is. He will help you. And he'll forgive you if you repent. Which means you do a 180. Where you were running away from God, you run to him. And you say, I, Abba, Father, Abba, Daddy, I need your help. Sometimes we have to do that. And he's right there waiting for you. He's not up there with a giant bottom whopper going, come on, boy, you're getting it. No, I know it goes back. We don't do that anymore. Not saying we shouldn't sometimes, but that's my take. Say this with me. Build your children up. Do not tear them down. Say it again. Build your children up. Do not tear them down. How many grandparents are in this room? You know, usually we spoil them. But we still have a part. We still have a big effect on our kids and our grandkids. So don't forget that. Don't think, oh, I'm a grandparent. No, I don't have to worry about it. Yes, you do. And don't be that ninny of a grandparent that does everything that the parents don't want you to do. Come on, work with them. That just confuses kids. They don't need any more confusion today. <laughs> right? Teach your children to choose their words carefully and your family will be blessed beyond measure. 
When they become teenagers, they will treat you with love and respect and so on. Words not only affect those around us, but they also affect our relationship with God. I said this in a little more detail last week, but when you come to God, He doesn't want you praising Him with a defiled tongue. And I went into what that means. You know, the polluted thing? Unclean mouth. Before you go to your Heavenly Father to offer your worship, whether at church on Sunday, right, or in your personal space at home, take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, have I been using my mouth properly? Are there things that have been coming out that shouldn't be? Am I speaking death or am I speaking life? And by the way, when you give the Holy Spirit permission to work in you, He will. He will work with you on this. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you put pure things into your heart. Now when you ask Him that, He's also going to correct you if you're trying to put impure things into your heart. So expect both sides of this, right? Speak life, not death. And by doing this, you prepare yourself to enter into the presence of God. Let me say this, and I'm saying this gently and kindly. For some of you, when you come in here and you wonder, why don't I ever feel like God is with me? Could this be it? Could it be that what you're putting in, outside of the church usually, or the words that are coming out, are not pure and holy? They're not life, they're death. By changing this, your worship time with the Lord will change in a good way. Amen? Now the next part of this, and I really want you to hear this because we often fall into this, myself included. Our words don't necessarily have to be spoken for us to hurt people. What do I mean by that? How many of you have ever joined the crowd? Peer pressure. Let me give you some examples. When I'm in a crowd, I find it easy to go with the flow instead of resisting unholy talk. How many would admit today that it's much easier to join the bandwagon, as I like to call it? Get on the bandwagon when somebody starts to Dits, dits on others. That's an old word. but Somebody starts telling a crude joke that's tearing others down. How many blonde jokes have you heard? And you just sit there nodding your approval in an embarrassing way. And, and I've done this. I found myself, and you know what? The Holy Spirit afterwards said, Norm, Really? <laughs> really? Or you're in school and your classmates start criticizing the way that a teacher is teaching. And you nod your approval and maybe you even throw in your own negative thoughts. Or the crowd may pick on the way that a student, you know, the, the nerdy person, is dressed or how they talk or, or how they look or whatever it is. And I think this is more of a defensive move for some but we go along with them. Why? Because 
If we don't, they're going to go, what, are you one of them? You don't want to be picked on. So you feel like, well, if I just don't say anything, or if I throw my own little dig in, then they'll know I'm with them and they'll leave me alone. How petty is that as a Christian? You don't have to say anything. By going along with your peers, you're saying you're in agreement with them. It's awful quiet in here. Are you just digesting this or are you going, oops? <laughs> Let's not be this person. This is where I'm going to go into it just briefly. When I, was, when I came to the Lord, when I became born again in, in 19... Now, this is going to age me, 1981. And I worked at General Motors in the factory in Lansing. And how many know that most automobile factories, the people there usually don't talk. They don't speak life. <laughs> Can I say that? I mean, you know, I don't have to go there, right? You know what I'm saying. Most of them... Mm, the, the crudeness that came out of men and women. In fact, some of the women were worse than the men. And I think they, they were like that just because they, they felt like, well, if I do that, then they'll leave me alone. The harder I am, the more they'll leave me alone. Military is the same way. And I wasn't in the military, but yes, I can concur that that is true. When we find ourselves... In those places as a Christian, all right? So we're born again. The old man is dead. The new man is here. You're supposed to breathe life, not death. And you start hearing the conversation turn sour. You know, crude jokes, whatever it is. Uh, deg something degrading usually to, to another person. What I learned to do, and, and this is not easy to do, how many think they know what I did? Somebody said it. I didn't have to say a word. And you know what? I often had people come to me afterwards and go, Hey, Norm, I saw you walk away. What? Something wrong? You know what that did? Allowed me to give them a little bit, a little example of my faith. And why I don't like to speak like that. I like to speak life and not death. I want people to be built up, not torn down. And when we talk like that, it's just not right. You know, maybe it is for the heathen, but not for believers. We need to be different. We have to be different. If the world doesn't see any difference in us, why would they want what we have? If we look just like them, why are they going to come? As I begin to close, I know every good thing must come to an end. This message, if most would apply it, would change the way that our society and especially the church is viewed.
I wanted to share one more scripture as I, as I begin to close here. And I, I love the, the, the middle here. Um, I love the whole thing, but Psalm 84, 11 to 12. For the Lord our God is our sun and our shield. How many can say amen to that? Amen. He gives us grace and he gives us glory. The Lord will... In the red. Read it with me. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. I love God's word. I might share this again next week. But what I really want you to latch on to is that center part. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. I hope you know this. God delights in his children when they practice speaking life and not death. When they do what is right. And I had a one of my professors in college, he gave this illustration and it's, it stuck with me. And I've always wondered this. You know, we all make mistakes, right? And, and even when we're born again, we sometimes fall into temptation and something gets a hold of us and we end up doing not this, but the opposite. And I always wondered, how does heaven watch us you know, because it says even the angels want to participate in the things that men are doing. And when, they, when heaven sees this and we're doing something wrong, how do they get past that? It seems like it would taint their view of everything. And this professor said, and this isn't a theology or a doctrine, this is just his thought. He said, when they run our videos for our lives, when, when God shows that on the judgment day, right? They're, they're going to look at your life. They're going to examine everything you did from point A to point B, from when they were a little man like that guy back there to an old man like myself or older. And when that video is running... There's going to be a lot of blanked out stuff. You know what I mean? In some of the modern movies, if they don't want you to see things, they blur it out. But I'm thinking it's just going to go blank and you just won't see that part because it's not edifying, it's not built up. But the good things they'll see. If we'll practice this message... When you get there to that judgment day, your video is not going to have to be blanked out the whole time they're watching it. That ought to make you think. God delights in his children when they practice speaking life and death, when they do what is right. This also builds stronger relationships around the godly person. Our spouses are healthier, our kids, our co-workers are healthier, and when we come to God to worship, 
We don't have to shy away because our mouth has gotten us in trouble. Does your mouth need to be reined in? I'm going to start my, my little question here. This is the response part. Listen, please. Does your mouth need to be reined in? Do you need to speak words of life rather than death? Do you need to repent because of how you speak? Do you want the Holy Spirit's help taming your tongue? As I said before, you have to give Him permission. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman and He will not do anything that you don't allow Him to do. Finally, do you want the Holy Spirit to teach you how to pray for your enemies, those who persecute you? If, if you fit into any of these, would you just stand with me? I'm already standing, so I would have stood. <laughs> I need this just as much as most of you. God loves you. He loves every single one of us. But he also wants us to do what's right. That's where he gets the blessing. That's where he's just tickled. I know that because I'm a grandpa. And every time I'm around that little guy, he tickles me. And I don't mean with his fingers. I'm just saying what he does. We do that to our Heavenly Father. He loves it when we do what, we, what he's told us to do. What Jesus commanded us to do. What the Bible was written to teach us. When we do those things, it blesses God. And that's when the blessing comes. So most of us need help with this. Heads bowed. Just humble yourselves just for a moment. And from your heart, if you will, just say this prayer after me, and I'm trying to be led here of the Spirit. Father, forgive me. I know there's power in my tongue. I choose whether it's life or death. Today, I admit my faults. There are times I don't have control. But I want that to change. I want to be strong. I want the words that come out of my mouth to build up, not tear down. So I ask you, forgive me of any sins I've committed as I've used this tongue. And Holy Spirit, help me to put the good things in, to spend time praying for my enemies, to trust that you're with me. And that this, this pleases you. I want to change my lifestyle. And I want to breathe life. From this day forward. Have your way with me. And I pray this again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo!
somebody have a word? Go ahead. From the Lord, I'm assuming, or the word? You literally have the word. We'll keep it brief and simple. Or, um, what's that word, Brian? Brief and amazing. Brief and amazing. There you go. You mentioned the, the class we're taking this week. Yes. We've been taking it Wednesday, and this is so fitting. The, uh, the verse that, that we were asked to memorize this week is out of Psalms 139, verse 13 and 14. And as you're speaking what we speak out of our mouth, um, we also need to speak it to us individually because in that verse, and I've memorized this, but I'm going to say it so I don't mess it up, uh, but it really helped change my heart. But it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I would challenge everybody here to memorize those two scriptures, Psalms 139, verses 13 and 14. And really, that's changing me right now to understand that I am fearfully wonderfully made in his image. Amen. Okay. I don't know why I've got this in my hand. I have one on my face. <laughs> Father, again, we are... I know this service is over today, but you're not done with us. This is just the start of our week, Lord. We... We heard a good message, a strong word, Lord, that is meant to change us from the inside out. And as we apply it, Lord, help us, help us to find those people, the ones that have no hope, the ones that are even thinking those horrible thoughts, Lord, of why am I here? Help us to find them and, and give them that hope. G encourage them with words of life. And God, when it's all said and done, we, we trust and pray that you would be blessed and well-pleased with our lives and the way we've lived them. Bless each one, Lord, that's in this room today, those that are online. God, just do what only you can do. Impart supernatural favor on us. Again, put us in the right place at the right time. Holy Spirit, guide our every step. We love you and we commit this church and this people into your hands. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful week.